0: Welcome to the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast. This is the Desert Classic 2019 from California. Let's get to it. What's up, golf addicts? Thanks for downloading the podcast this week. We're going to break down the Desert Classic, no-sponsored event here from La Quinta, California. We're going to give you our GPP favorites, our cash locks, and plenty of fades. We're going to recap the Sony, talk through what we like to call Cooch Gate. That, that's going to happen at the end of the podcast, including a letter that Pat wrote to L2Can. You do not want to miss that at all. Plus, we're going to talk about a new interview we got coming up here. We're going to ask you guys to give us some stuff you want to see in the shop. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have a good podcast here. A lot of disagreement in this one. A lot of disagreement. We're not on the same guys. It's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. The podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. We've talked to our boys at MyBookie. You may not have heard, but Hosung Choi has now been given a sponsor's exemption to the Pebble Beach Pro-Am in just a couple weeks, and our friends at MyBookie are going to give us some prop bets for old Hosung. So if you're not a member already, go join MyBookie.ag. Promo code Tour Junkies when you sign up gets you a 50% deposit bonus. Up to a thousand bucks. It's our favorite place to bet on golf. You need to check out mybookie.ag promo code TOURJUNKIES. This is a good one. This is I'm just telling you, this is a good one, especially towards the end with our letter to L2Can. Enjoy it. Thanks for your support. May your screens be green. Here you go. What's going on? Golf Addicts, it is the desert classic, the no-sponsored desert classic and beautiful sunny California. We are on the mainland this week. Myself and Pat Perry are ready to get at it. And Pat, guess what my podcast juice of choice is tonight? Tito's. <laughs> oh crap, I just got that on my computer, hang on. Uh, no, nope, definitely not Tito's, although I did spill a lot of this. Hang on, I'm wiping my keyboard.
1: Okay. Wow! Already no. failing early on in the podcast. I actually I have a new guess because we got a gift this week from a yes. listener. Yes. Yes. And so I'm using that that gift, and uh, I'm assuming you are as well.
0: Oh, I am pouring it literally as we speak.
1: Pouring let it all you over guys. your computer, apparently. Yeah.
0: Well, let me just tell you guys. Oh, hold on. Ah, let me just tell you guys. We, we got a gift we got a package if you follow us on Instagram at tour underscore junkies you saw it on our story from mr. John I think it's John skiaka I'm gonna say skiaka
1: I really feel like you're you, you're not saying that correctly but
0: I'm not you're one to talk I, I'm
1: yeah. not gonna attempt to do it yeah uh, says the
0: guy who referred to the course we're gonna talk about later the first year we did the podcast as la Quinta <laughs> la Quinta um, <laughs> Yeah, we got a package from John Skiaka. Couple weeks or la, this this past week he he DM'd us saying how much he appreciated us and wanted to send us some podcast juice from his neck of the woods. So man, I, let me just tell you. The devil is in the details. Our boy John, not only did he send us some exceptional podcast juice, but the packing. He, he the box had a a a drawn or spray painted or stenciled Golby head over the over the on the box on the outside of the box is beautiful, very well done. Took him a little extra time and thought, and then and then four very nice double IPA brews from different areas uh, breweries, beers that he likes, all very delicately wrapped to make sure that nothing spilled. And John, let me just tell you, they arrived in perfect form. I am currently drinking the lawson's finest liquids sip of sunshine it is a uh, it is an ipa eight percent alcohol by volume which is uh which is always good and this is in the uh this is from two roads brewing company in stratford connecticut no free ads but there you go thank you john it's very nice pat what are you enjoying tonight
1: well i'm enjoying some tito's because we're, we're, we're continuing on with the the resolution of me and tito's uh, yes so so, but he sent me this 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 small little bottle of Tito's, and it's uh it's it's kind of cute. It's a cute little bottle of Tito's, uh, just enough for an outing or two. Um, See, it's the listeners demanding more Tito's, Pat. Yeah, and, and now it's not a mini bottle. It's kind. I mean, it's like a. I don't know. It's just. It's. I haven't seen one this small, but it's not a mini bottle. It's pretty cool though. Um, and then he sent me a nice bottle of uh, French Rosé. <laughs> Which uh, I'm not going to have during the podcast, but i may when I do open the bottle, I may uh, tweet out something or or uh, that do is some beautiful. Instagramming. but it's uh, it was very nice and and like you, I received a package with a with a a drawing or a stencil on the outside, um, and it was wrapped extremely well. Very, yeah. extremely well very well. hard to get into john, very hard to get to into honest. but it was safe it, it you know what very safe it takes care like that when you're sending podcast juice it needs to be protected
0: yeah yeah you can't you can't just you can't just you know frivolously pack podcast juice you know no. like that who does that not john that's for sure no he's and not a lot of example. other listeners not a lot of other listeners we would love to get more listener mail that's fantastic we, we really appreciate it. if you want to know where to send it Slide in our DMs or send us an email. We, John, you are the man. We appreciate you. Thank you, man. It's guys like you make us want to keep going. Um, all right, Pat, let's get into this. We've covered podcast use. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. We uh, Matt Kuchar won a golf tournament, and yours truly talked him up as a GPP play. Uh, I had a, I had a better weekend picks than you. Uh, now, our boy, uh, we got to give a shout-out to our boy Tom Wyckoff, who is behind the scene – Oh, excuse me, I'm already burping up my IPA. Tom is behind the scenes keeping up with our picks this year, and we're not going to bore you with them every every week. But you know, every every couple months or so, we'll stop and tell you how good or bad we're doing in cash, GPP, all that stuff. Tom is recording that for us, and I looked at it just before the show, and I I, I had a good week, and um, yeah. So hopefully you can bounce back. Hopefully you can bounce back this week.
1: Yeah, I'm expecting to. You know, it happens. But
0: it was a fun tournament. You know, Cooch, Cooch ended up running away with it on uh, on the back nine on Sunday. It looked like he was going to blow it up in the first you know, few holes, bogeying a lot. Um, but there was some good stuff going on. And we, we got a lot of tweets, a lot of green screens out there, and a lot of people hitting some bets. Thank you guys for tweeting us and letting us know that uh, things are working out for you, getting that green screen disease. We love it. Keep it coming. And uh, keep the bets flowing. We, we love to see that, see that happen. Uh, it's great, great stuff. Now, there was some other stuff going on that is very important. Uh, we are going to call it Coochgate. We're going to call it Coochgate. Uh, regarding a tweet that went out about Matt Coocher and about uh, his tipping of a caddy in Mayakoba in the fall. And there was a lot of scandal surrounding this. We are not gonna we are not gonna hit you with it right now. But let me just tell you that the chunk and run segment tonight is gonna address that. We have a special guest. Um, Pat has a very special letter that he has written to L. can who was the caddy that was um, you know supposedly kind of stiffed. And we're gonna address that at the end of the podcast. So if you want to catch that, you'll you'll catch it at the chunk and run. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited about it. We will hit that. Other than that, uh, Pat, we had a full rollout of brand new content last week. I'm very excited about it. Your first Fantasy Golf Sommelier article went up mm. on TourJunkies.com. Mm. Ben Little's uh, very first article on, um, you, you know, kind of figuring out whether course history, course form, or a recent form, or course stats are going to win out throughout the year. And we've got a bet going. Um, that was a very interesting article from Ben the chalk bomb went out and nailed it by the way Cameron Champ was the chalk bomb he ended up MDFing owned at around 14% in most GPPs chalk bomb was great and then uh, the our YouTube channel our YouTube channel rolled out so thank you to all those who have subscribed on the YouTube channel we'd love to have some more subscribers we didn't get as many as we kind of thought but we've released our first two videos over on YouTube and let me just tell you if you've been doing this for a while and you're looking for something a little more expert, a little more in-depth, a little more advanced, it's coming. Just subscribe, it's coming. We're starting off for the rookies, for the newbies, for the beginners, for those dipping their toe in. But go to our YouTube channel and subscribe and uh, click the little notification bell so you know when uh, when, when we shoot a video. Um, and watch those first couple of videos we got up. am really proud of them. It's going to be good stuff. But it was a full week of content, Pat. How would you feel about all the content that went out last week? We did a lot.
1: Yeah, it was was fun. It was a good week. I was uh, well. I say that my the my uh, article sucked as far as uh, well. It was entertaining. I thought it was entertaining. The picks entertaining and free. Yeah, you know the picks were bad, but I put a lot of a lot of energy into that. I got already got some good ideas for uh, for tomorrow's article. Um, I like what Ben's doing. I think it's kind of a cool little thing just to test this uh, stats versus course history versus recent form thing. Uh, so his is his is good. You know, you had the chalk bomb obviously worked out well this week. By the way, Cam Champ was also the Boone's Farm play of the week, meaning the Ooh. the basically the fade in the in the fantasy golf Somalia articles. So uh, it, that was fun. You wrote a little quick uh, quick hitter uh, for some bets on Wednesday, which you might not do every week, but I think it's worth uh, when you when you throw that out there, it's uh, it's definitely worth a good worth a read it's always really quick um by the way
0: so. on that i like writing the first round leader bets and um yeah so i threw out a first round leader bet uh, early on thursday morning before they before they teed off and here's the deal i i, I didn't nail it but i came close Chez Revi was one who had a good thursday um and uh let's see who else did i have on that i had somebody else on there that did pretty good overall but the reason for the first-round leader bets being long shots is exactly what we saw this past week. You know, Adam Svensson lost his mind, uh, along with Andrew Putnam. I, I feel bad, though, for leader. all the Putnam people because yeah. of that. So, but that's the reason why first-round leader bets work, man. You can hit those long shots because anybody out there, anybody that tees it up on the PGA Tour can have a go-low, just ridiculous day. And yes. if you have some money on them, you can hit big. And if you had money on Svensson last week, you I mean, he was, like, at least 100 and something to 1. He had to 100. have been 150 he was to way 175
1: up there. to 1. Yeah.
0: yeah. So that's the reason I love kind of dabbling in those first-round leader bets and making them long shots and just putting, you know, a quarter of a unit, half a unit.
1: All you got to do is hit one, and your year is made.
0: Hit one, and yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of fun. So be on the lookout for more of those. But um, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. Now – also, on last week's podcast, we talked about a couple things, one of which was Brian Harmon's GPP ownership, which, Pat, I have to roast you on this. You continue to be the Sandra Bullock bird box version of predicting GPP ownership. Um, you projected that Brian Harmon would be the highest-owned 7K golfer last week. You were not willing to make a bet on that, but when I, when I said top three, you bought into that, uh, or that he wouldn't be the top three highest-owned in the 7K. And, in fact, he was the 13th highest-owned golfer in the 7K range on average. You lose the bet, which means at some point I will be sending you a T-shirt uh, with a bunch of sayings on it that I write down and some artwork, and you will have to wear it for our, our video content for the week. I'm very excited about that. But you, Yeah,
1: you know, I think if I you – know, thinking back on that, when I went and looked through there, uh, there was probably some Titos involved. Well, there was. There wasn't. Probably, <laughs> Tito's was involved. Um, it wasn't like he was super low owned either. He was still at like ten percent, which is you know relatively high for a seven k guy. But I didn't uh, think that, that many people would be on like Poulter. I think he was the highest owned, wasn't he? Uh, I think Putnam was. I think Putnam was pretty chalky, actually. Yeah, um, but I think Poulter was up there too. I was kind of surprised to yeah, see yeah. to see where he was. Um. Oh well, well, it was a good bet for me. I enjoyed making yeah. that one. I'm just gonna stop making ownership bets. <laughs> I'm not gonna make any. You've you've, you've su- successfully like caused like you you should have played this a little bit more throughout the year. Like you could have just been like, all right, Pat's really off here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna save this for later because we got all season long for me to really get him on a bet. And instead, I feel like you just kind of you, – you were a little overzealous there. for the. Well, it's like one and done, you know? Like you don't want to be stuck
0: at the end of the year holding your best players. You want to use it up, make sure you hit it, you know? Like make sure you at least get a hit. So yeah. I got a hit. Speaking of one and done, let's make sure we give our one and done this yeah, week. Yeah, we got to do that. We forgot last week, and then we ended up tweeting it. Mine was Pat and Kazire, yours was Sadecki. I ended up doing a little better, but... Um, I just wanted
1: to get Hideki out of the way. I hate having to choose him on any kind of week. I was like, I'm just going to get just get him out of the way. And he almost came through for me if it wasn't for Sunday. Did. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, two real quick things before we move on. We had a listener that absolutely won the contest for best cereal to golfer comparison, and I feel like it was so brilliant, I must mention it on the podcast. I, I would be... I wouldn't sleep I would not sleep tonight if I failed to mention this you know last week for the chunk and run we compared serials to PGA tour players we had some good ones in there but we asked the listeners if you guys had a better one your brains were more creative than ours tweet them out and and we got some good ones but the, no one hit the grand Slam that this guy hit and his name is Patrick I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing this right Patrick Nipple um
1: wait 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 a second (laughs) yes i was about to go the first thought i had was we sure have some crazy last names on on listeners (laughs) from a pronunciation standpoint but then you you just you you kind of threw me about so say that again patrick who nipple
0: um i'm pretty sure it's nipple it's spelled k-n-i-p-p-l-e so it's nipple but with a K in front, and I'm assuming the K is silent. I doubt that it's Patrick Knipple.
1: Knipple, okay. K-nipple. All right. <laughs>
0: so, anyway, he is at P K Nipple, or yeah, yeah, at P K Nipple. For those of you spelling at home, wanting to look Patrick up, Patrick holler at you, man. It's a fantastic last name, but the tweet was gold. His serial comparison was, he tweeted out, "Lucas Glover would be Honey Smacks." His honey smacks him every time he messes up
1: on a Sunday. <laughs> I feel like I led him to that, though, because I did bring you up You did, but it's tragic because you missed the I opportunity. I can't believe I missed that.
0: I was so pissed at my brain for not thinking about that. Oh. 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 And if you don't know, just Google Lucas Glover and wife. He's basically uh, yeah, You don't have to, to do his, anything. It's a pretty easy Google his search. Wife, his wife beats him uh they're still together by the way they are yeah fantastic tweet by you mr nipple i really appreciated that one um in other news just a reminder to be on twitter if if you're listening to us and you're trying to get better at dfs we say this every now and then or golf betting or anything that you're spending money on trying to pick who's going to play well this week you have to be on twitter i tweeted this out uh, right before a lineup lock, Jordan Spieth's press conference on Wednesday night was awful. He literally, and we don't have to go down the whole what's wrong with Jordan train, but he literally said, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, but he very clearly said, I, I, you know, I, I remember last week you thought that maybe he decided to play here last minute because he was feeling good and he was ready to get out there and test his game, which I think is a very viable theory. That could definitely have been the case. And Until if he weren't you heard him talk. A, yeah, and if you weren't paying attention to what he said, you, you could easily think that, and then you would have been screwed by his miscut. But in his press conference, he said, yeah, like I basically got to the point where I'd done what I can do, and I wanted to see where my game is at, but I, I don't have high expectations this week. I, I have lower expectations. I'm here to really test where my game is and see where I need to go from here and get and shake the rust off. I mean, he literally said those, those, those things, which was not good. And so I tweeted out, hey, Jordan just said this. If you have him in your lineups, I would consider taking him out. I mean, I just – I know that there's plenty of guys that sometimes that in front of a microphone, they feel like they're not going to play very well, they go out and they light it up. I get that that happens, and that could have happened. But just listening to him talk and, like, seeing – you know, hearing what he said, it did not sound good. So if you're, not, if you're not paying attention to the presser, but you have Twitter, which you can get that information in 280 characters or less very quickly, that's an edge for you, and, and you would have gotten him out of your lineups. So – just the lesson is get on Twitter if you want to do this thing right get on Twitter
1: you know I think though you could there's some arguments you could make here on the other side of that because I feel like you now he had a, a very good day on Friday it was obviously a, a crappy day on Thursday but when something like that comes out and so many people take hold of that whether it's in, in, in we're not that like when we you tweet something out like that it's not like it's you know ownership's changing a ton but the media does you know catch hold of it and and i like to sometimes fade the media like i like it when there's there's a guy like that that may say something in a press conference that makes everybody think oh my gosh he's just not there oh there could be an injury or whatever there's a part of me that thinks that it's a you know could be a good decision at times to fade that to fade the noise and and so that's what I did I actually played some speech because I thought you know what I feel like I'm going to get a little dip in ownership which I did and I it didn't it didn't work out for me but I would not change that in the future I would I would probably do that again and I don't think I can fault anybody out there for doing that so uh, I think there's a couple ways you can look at it. Obviously, it worked out well for you and that tweet and everything else. But don't always think that just because what they say in their press conference or what the media is saying about them going into a particular event, whether it's worried about some injury but something that may have happened six months ago and they just haven't played in a while or whatever. I, I don't know. I think sometimes that stuff gets overblown and overthought, and then you're overthinking your lineups and if you had played Speith last week and he did actually play really well which he did on Friday and could have continued that in the weekend. I saw a lot I watched a lot of him on Thursday and Friday because of the fact that I, I owned him a lot in my DraftKings lineups and I sort of went contrarian with him and he showed a lot on Friday especially that his game is is not that far off. Mm. Uh, some would disagree. But okay. All right.
0: I I see your point. I I think, for me, I would do it the same way myself because, you know, hearing him say it, watching him say it, knowing that he didn't play well last year, knowing that he couldn't figure it out, paying up for him the way you're going to pay up for him, first event of the year, I think I would continue to fade him. But I I, I see what you're saying, and I think a lot of times you you are right. You you fade the media, fade the the noise, fade the latest little news blip, and and you can come out looking good. So I, I get it. Either way, just get on Twitter um joey garber is a web.com graduate now on the pga tour full-time played for the university of georgia bulldogs young guy a party in a box we interviewed joey last week we've got that all edited that'll probably be released on thursday make sure you guys listen to that one it's a lot of fun it's only like a i think it's a 30 minute interview max but it's jam-packed joey is a trip we have a lot of fun with Joey. He's an open book. That's what yeah. I love about some of these great young guys. Kind of starts off books. slow, but it it, it... it builds nicely. Builds very nicely. Yeah, yeah. He's a young guy. He's timid. You know, he's like not, he's not sure what we're trying to do with the interview, and then we start having fun with it, and he, he loves it. So it's a great interview. Cue that one up. The last thing I want to ask before we get into the course breakdown is, Pat, you know, you and I are talking about some new items for the Tour Junkie shop this year, and I would love to know from our listeners... What would you like to see in the tour junkie shop? What would you buy? What would you actually spend money on in the tour junkie shop this year? We're pretty confident. We're going to have a golf towel in these, in the shop here pretty soon. So uh, stay tuned for that. We've never had one of those. We've got some hats up there. We've got a few t-shirts left, but anything in particular you would like to see in the shop, tweet us, DM us, email us, whatever you want to do, do that. And while, you know, Pat, while we're talking about clothing, one thing that we can't put in the shop, but but I wish we could, is Peter Millar. The, the, Peter Millar just won't let us carry their brand on our website. I don't know what I don't know what it is, but they just won't let us do it. However, if we could, we would. Their comfort, their fit, their quality, their style sets the standard. If you're a golfer like us, you guys know about Peter Millar. If you don't, you probably should. It's quality value. It's it's a perfect golfer brand. Most comfortable clothing you can wear. Here's the hot item right now. It's the five pocket
1: pant. Now Pat has these
0: pants. Likely had no idea they had a fifth pocket.
1: I actually but, I read this 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 read and I went and looked at my pants and I was like they got five pockets. I didn't realize it. <laughs>
0: A five-pocket pant, if you're not familiar with men's fashion. Very versatile. You can wear it anywhere. You can wear it playing golf. You can wear it to dinner. You can wear it around the house. You can wear it on a date night. You can wear it somewhere nice. It's very, very, very functional piece of clothing. Every man needs to have him a nice five-pocket pant. Very lightweight, highly breathable, made from the highest quality Pima cotton. Not Puma cotton, because that crap is sorry. This is Pima cotton, all right? They, they fit like jeans, but more style, way more style. It's our go-to for vacation, work events, golf course, whatever you got to do. You can wear the five-pocket pant. It's beautiful. Mine are like a red color. They're very nice. What what color are yours? You got the red ones too, don't you? You have the red ones. Red.
1: Yeah, my pants are red. Which color are yours? No, I have a, a dark brown and then. Um, of course you do. Yeah. And then a a tan- <laughs> khaki. Of course you do. A dark brown
0: and a khaki. Pat had to make sure he covered all. All uh, spectrums of brown when you order. I, I ordered the flashy red. They're very, very nice. Yeah. Well, so, and they're, they're most comfortable. They're very, very comfortable. Um, but I can pretty much say that about everything from Peter Millar. Listen, all you got to do is go to petermillar.com slash tourjunkies, and you can see some of the stuff that we like the most from Peter Millar. The stuff on that website we've handpicked is things that we've got ourselves, we've enjoyed wearing. It's good stuff. Be sure to use our link. That's petermillar.com slash tour junkies. You get free shipping and a free Peter Millar hat. That's Petermillar, M-I-L-L-A-R dot slash tour junkies. Petermillar.com slash tour junkies. Appreciate those guys sticking it out with us almost for almost for almost a year now. We've been yeah, working that's Peter been a good. Yeah, I can't yeah, believe well. they've held on to us this long. We've not offended somebody. I'm I love it. It's a great brand though. Really yeah. good brand. All right, Pat, hit us with the courses breakdown.
1: Wow, yeah, so here we are. We got three courses, and if you've listened to us for a while, we're, I'm not a big fan of these events where you got you got three courses and whatever else. But that's what we got. So we're at the Desert Classic in La Quinta, California. Not La Quinta. Not La Quinta. Not, not La Quinta. Her. Yeah, I wish we could find a clip of that when I said, like, just the natural c- clip of me, like, just <laughs> rolling through that like it was nothing. I probably could find it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we are in La Quinta, California this week. We're playing on three courses. Uh, you've got the host course this week, which is going to be the stadium course at PGA West. You've got uh, also the Nicholas Tournament course at PGA West, and then to Country Club is the third course in the rotation. But with the home course, here's the thing. They're going to play all three days each. They get each course, and then they'll reconvene for the final round uh, on the host course, the stadium course at PGA West. So there's a 54-hole cut this week, not 36 holes. They're going to get to play all three courses. And then... Uh, They'll go into the final round if they make that cut at the Stadium Course. Uh, keep in mind, this is a pro-am event. I think that's something to, that is something to think about because you know what that means—slow play. That means these guys might have to be sociable out there and actually, you know, talk to some of these these hacks that they're playing with. You might want to look at some patient guys. You know, some guys that can sort of handle that. You know, that 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 atmosphere because they're going to get that for sure. Looking at the courses in particular, the stadium course at PGA West, it's a Pete Dye design. It's a par 72, 7,100 yards. Here's the thing. You'll see all three of these courses, they're short, very short, and you can score on them. This one ranked 36 on tour out of 52 as far as easiest courses on tour. Um, You know, there's really just, there's not a whole lot to it. I mean, it, it, I think it was set up originally be, to be pretty hard, but it just hasn't really been that way. You should see plenty of birdies out here. Now, this is the course where the most hazards are, are out there, where you can have some big numbers. So, if you want to look specifically at this course, you do may may want to see players that, that have you know that are you know avoiding bogeys, avoiding double bogeys, because there's a lot of water on this course. There's a lot of deep deep bunkers that you can get into. But really, they're still scoring out here. I mean, it's it's still going to be the underlying theme. You look at it, they've got four par fives on this course, all of them reachable. The longest is the 591 11th hole. But again, just very easy, easy holes out here in par fives. The Nicholas Tournament course is uh, got into the rotation here in 2016. Another par 72, 7,159 yards. It ranked 50th as far as easiest courses on tour uh, in 2018 and under par scoring. uh, The the par fives, again, the longest is 538 yards. All four of the par fives here average at least 50% birdie or birdies made here. So, again, that's it's just scoring, 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 another theme here. And then Laquita Country Club, par 72, just over 7,000 yards. It ranked 51st on tour in 2018 and under par scoring. Um, another one that's, you know, all the par fives, you're seeing birdies at least from a 50% rate. Uh, you know, looking at the greens here. All of them are going to have Bermuda grass greens, but they're overseeded with rye. Uh, which i think is important to know because i don't think that they're not going to really roll exactly like bermuda greens that you might see in the you know in the middle of the summer or something like that Uh, i think these greens are going to roll maybe more you know a little more quicker more like bent with the with the ryegrass um, overseed so i think that's something to pay attention to but you know these guys are you know putting is something where yeah, you may look at the hot guys coming into into the event as far as their putting stats are concerned, but for me, I'm looking at opportunities gained, scoring. Again, it's just that it's that kind of week. Strokes gained off the tee, I do like, and then of course course history and recent form. Uh, so there you go. Past champions, you had John Rahm last year, won in a playoff over Andrew Landry. Hudson Swafford in 2017, who I think's coming around. You look at what he did last week. Uh, Jason Duffner in 2016 in a playoff over Lingmurth. You had Bill Haas, David's most exciting player on tour. He loves Bill Haas. And then Patrick Reed in 2014. So there you go. Three courses, a lot to think about. I think you got to simplify things this week and not worry about all these courses and really focus more on your scoring stats, strokes gained off the tee, that kind of thing with some recent form and course history sprinkled in there. Yeah, I like it. I mean,
0: you know, all these courses play pretty easy, like you mentioned. They all play pretty short. Just reading off the the list of winners here, also Brian Gay won before that, before Patrick Reed. Got a wide array of, of golfers that can win, kind of like we had at the Sony last week between John Rahm and Brian Gay. I mean, there couldn't be two more different golfers on the planet than those guys. So um, you don't have to be a bomber. Bombers are great, but you don't have to be. So uh, I think you're dead on with the, with the putting kind of being a, a little different this week. It might be hard to really quantify who can putt well on that golf course and i think you're you know the fact that it is a pro am is key because that also means pin placements will be rather simple compared to a lot of stuff on the pj tour i mean you know most of the time pj tour event you have tucked pin placements in the corners whereas here you're going to have more pin placements in the middle of greens so that the pro ams can or so that the amateurs can continue to to have a little bit of fun so I, I do think that makes being in the fairway that much more important so that these guys you know these pros can can really go at it control their spin and go flag hunting. And that's one thing that I think is key. You, you want aggressive players. You want guys who are going to go after pins. Uh, because you do have to score here, as Pat's already mentioned. So to me, it is all, it's is all—it's a lot about scoring. It's ball striking, keeping it in the fairway off the tee. It's opportunities gained, thanks to Fantasy National. Um, and it's DraftKings scoring, for me, is the biggest. That, that's probably the biggest stat. And the fact that you've got three rounds that everybody's guaranteed to play just means that, you know, the difference between the guy who wins and the guy who, you know, finishes at the end, you know, last that made the cut isn't going to be, you know, on average isn't going to be as spread out because they're, they're, they're only going to have one round difference between them, those that miss the cut and those that don't. So um, you can take a little more risk this week if you like. Maybe it lends itself to a little more studs and duds. I just think you need scores if you're going to do that. So – Um, And also, one thing you didn't mention is the the weather and the waves and the draw. That's always a thing that comes around this time of year for this event. You've got guys starting on three different golf courses. So you want to pay attention to the weather. Right now, I think it looks pretty mild. Um, And then there's the whole debate of would you rather play the more difficult course, which is the stadium course, would you rather play that course on a day where the weather is bad or on the day where the weather is the best? And I think for the most part, you would find agreement that you'd rather play it on the tougher day. The course is already tough; um, you're already going into it knowing you got to make par. par's your friend. Take birdies when you can. Just play well. And you want to play the easier courses when conditions are great and favorable for scoring. So, um, if you're if if the weather changes on us in the next few days, be be aware of that. And a lot can change with these tee times and and uh, and draws here, which we don't know is at the time we record this podcast. So. Be on the lookout for that in write-ups on the Chalk Bomb, a Fantasy Golf Sommelier, whatever.
1: Be on the lookout for that. I think that's important. Another um, thing to think about is if you're doing first-round leader bets is what, what course they're on, because you're probably going to want to take those guys that are on uh, La Quinta. That's, that's yeah. typically the easiest course. So yep.
0: La Quinta and, and and the Nicholas course for sure. <laughs> La Quinta. Um, yeah, Can all I all just stats... call it La Quinta from now on? Yeah, just go, uh, ahead. <clears throat> go ahead. Go ahead. All our stats this week coming to us from our friend Moose at Fantasy National Golf Club. Become a member today. Fantasy National Golf Club is the best. It is where we get the stats. It's where we get opportunities gained, which is a key stat. You can do what you want on there. It's great. So fantasynational.com slash TJ is the website. Fantasynational.com slash TJ is the site. Go check that out. Let's get into the picks, Patrick. We, um, we're going to do the same thing we did last week. So the tiers you should have. There should be no confusion. I feel like I, I,
1: I, unless you switched it on me, you know. I did not. The,
0: okay. I did not. All right. And, and let's move let's move through this pretty quick because uh, we got a lot of other stuff to cover here at the end. So we're going to give you GPP plays, a cash lock, and fades. We're going to start in the 9K and above range. Pat, give me your three GPP plays and your one cash lock to
1: start okay well i'm going to start at the top and my first gpp play is going to be justin rose at eleven thousand. i love him this week and you know what there's so many things with justin rose to be thought about you know he's coming in playing new clubs he's playing the hanma irons which i know you've hit and i've hit i believe i think they're very nice at the, uh, at the PGA show, great irons. I think a lot of people don't know about them, so they're probably wondering you know, what the heck that's all about. But I, I feel like you know, with the fact that we haven't seen him in a little bit and the new irons and all that kind of stuff, you may see a little bit of an ownership dip in, in, in Rose. But look, he is one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the world right now. And I love that price, getting him a little bit cheaper than John Rahm. So I'm going to play some Justin Rose in GPPs. Uh, doesn't have a whole lot of history here, but you know, you look at stats. He's eighth off the tee. He's number one in DraftKings scoring. He's number one in birdie or better percentage. Uh, this is uh, this is these all three of these courses. He should be able to play very well. Uh, so I like I like Justin Rose as one of my GPP plays this week. Next guy right down below him, Patrick Cantley. I like him as well at 10 6 on DraftKings. Another guy checking boxes for me. He's fifth off the tee, seventh in opportunities gained, uh, fifth in DraftKings scoring, birdie or better percentage. He's up there. Um, I just feel like, you know, again, a guy that's uh, just been really solid lately. He doesn't have any course history here, but had a great fall um was second at the Shriners. You know, he finished up there in the top five at the Hero. Yes, I know there's only 18 players in that field, but he's, he's been playing really well. I think he will be a little bit lower owned than some of the other guys around him, uh, like a Charles Howell or, you know, well, especially a, a Rose or whatever. So I, I like Cantlay as a GPP play this week. And the last one down at the bottom, going all the way down to the bottom, Luke List. I'm going all in again. We're <laughs> start another year with Luke List. At 9,000, Augusta boy now lives in Augusta. Uh, He was fourth at the RSM Classic, which I believe was the last tournament that he played. Um, Am I right there? Yeah, fourth at the RSM Classic. Uh, Has had mixed results at this tournament. You know, he did miss the cut last year, uh, but did have a T6 in 2016, which was the first year, by the way, that they made this uh, PGA West course uh, is the main course on the – um, the rotation here at the Desert Classic. He's number one, stroke gained off the tee, checks the box, and birdie are better percentage and scoring. So I like Luke List. I like Patrick Cantlay, and I like Justin Rose. All is my favorite GPP plays this week. How about Cash? Cash, I like Justin Rose again. I think okay. he's a good Cash <clears throat> play. I, I, I just, he's so solid. Uh, there's enough value down below that uh, I feel like you can fit them in in a cash lineup as well. So Rose is, is also is my cash guy. Wow. Wow, wow, wow.
0: So here's something I looked at in my research. I feel like uh, th- there's, there's been a clear advantage in recent years to players who have competed in Hawaii at some point, whether the Sony or the Tournament of Champions, coming into this event at PGA West. There's been a clear advantage. Winners have come out of that group, and and I kind of – I li- I stuck to that in a lot of my picks. Hmm. None um, of my picks
1: played in Hawaii.
0: Yeah, none of your picks played in Hawaii. Uh, Rose and Cantlay have never played here before, which those guys are world-class players. I don't think that's as big a deal.
1: Another um, reason I like them on the GPP level too, which I mean – I mean, I was
0: going to say, I got to give – I mean – Here's the thing, like Cantlay is not is not on my list, which is hard for me because you know I have a very soft spot for Patrick Cantlay. I love me some Patrick Cantlay, and it is this may be the only tournament all year I don't mention playing him. He's not on my list, but um, I try to be disciplined and. This is not an area where I feel like I'm gonna really differentiate a whole lot except for my last pick in this range. But you very clearly, I think, are gonna have three lower owned guys. I'd be shocked if those three are not a little bit lower-owned than, than than a couple of mine. I'm gonna go with John Rahm. I like John Rom at 11.6 6 Defending champ, I'll pay up. There's a ton of value in the 7K and 6K. Plus I already said he can be more aggressive having the guaranteed three rounds. Uh, so I'm going to go with Rom. I love the scoring ability with John Rahm. Played in the Tournament of Champions, won the hero. Checking all the boxes is John Rahm, sixth in DraftKings points over the last 50 rounds in this field, which I love. So I'm going with Rom. I'm going with Charles Howell, which is chalky as chalk can get. But I just love the way he's playing right now. It's his third straight event. He played both events in Hawaii. He played very, very well Um in Hawaii with an eighth place finish at the Sony and a 14th place at the tournament of champions has a great history here. He's made 11 of 13 cuts at this tournament, including three straight top twenties in the last three years. So he plays great on this course. He's in fantastic form West coast, Charles. I just think it's a, it's a no brainer play for Charles Howell and I don't care how much he's owned. I I love the play and the value at 10-3. Now those two guys are a little chalky. I'm hoping this guy is not as chalky. And I think he may be a little uh, a little overlooked because he finished almost dead last in the Tournament of Champions, uh, but he did play the Tournament of Champions, finished 27th, uh, and that is Aaron Wise. Now, mm. Aaron Wise has played this event twice, he's at $9,400, finished 17th last year, 34th his first time out uh, in 2017, but uh, didn't play the Sony, skipped the Sony, rested up, He's eighth in this field in DraftKings point score, top 25 in opportunities gained. He's a very aggressive young player, a bomber. He's a California kid. He was born in South Africa but moved to California when he was three years old, played at University of Oregon. I think he's familiar with this style of golf. I love Aaron Wise as a possible GPP differentiator in this 9K range and up. Now this is the only category i'm going to give you this week uh, this yeah this week where my cash play does not come out of my gpp plays and i did this last week and it paid off i had mark leishman as a cash play now do i wish i would have played him in more gpps yes but i knew he'd be chalky so i, I, I played guys around him uh, i'm going with Chez, with, with Ches in cash and if you want to play Ches Reevy in gpp be my guest he's going to be great i think he's i think he's going to play this course very very well I picked him as my cash play just because I don't think in cash, even in a week like this, you still need to spend all the way up to that 10K range. So the price savings you get with Shez at 9,200, given the form uh, and given how well he's, he's just been playing, I, I think you play Shez in cash. Um, <clears throat> all right, now we need to talk fades. For my fade, it's gonna, it's gonna an it's an easy one for me, and that's Andrew Putnam. $9,700 for Andrew Putnam. I get that he's been playing very well. However, if you look at last week, he gained 11 strokes putting. We all saw the, the the Thursday round. I mean, he made everything. He gained 11 strokes putting, not as hot with his irons and off the tee game. We saw that a little bit on Sunday as he faded. Um, at some point, the putting's going to regulate. And when it does, if he doesn't make up for it in ball striking, which doesn't tend to come and go as easily, uh, I think he's going to drop. So, for those of you who have been watching Andrew Putnam play well these these last couple of weeks, and you saw him on TV on Sunday, I think he could get a bump in ownership. I don't like the price tag at 9700 when I can drop down and have comparable players to Andrew Putnam. He is an easy fade for me up top. I'm not going to get caught up in the hype for Putnam. We paid 7400 for him last week, I think. Why would you pay, you know, $2,300 more? So I'm out. Yeah, I'm with you
1: there. Andrew Putnam was mine. I mean, he's – I think it's it's – Fairly easy. I mean, you look at stats too. He's 108th in the field and strokes gained off the tee, 125th in opportunities gained. Um, yeah, and you're right. And, and the thing was last week was his putting performance. I mean, it was just ridiculous. He was number one in the field last week as far as strokes gained putting is concerned. I'm just not sure he's going to be able to keep that up. And then on top of that, you get such a huge price increase at 9,700. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not fading him at all. I will throw out this though. I do think that. Hadwin is someone that i i may fade as well Um, same fading him too. i think that i just don't see i know he's got great course history here um, 59 but just i can't see paying 10k same um, for hadwin
0: yep totally agree all right that's the top tier let's get to the 8k range we're going to give you two gpps one cash lock and one fade i'll get it started I'm going to give you a chalk GPP play, and that's Patton Kazire. I love the way Patton is playing right now. He was my one-and-done last week. I had him in a lot of DFS lineups. Um, Finished tied for 13th, had an eighth-place finish at the Tournament of Champions the week before. Played here with kind of of middle-of-the-road results, played here three times, hasn't missed a cut, uh, but his best finish is a tie for 42nd. I don't think that matters right now. He's playing really good golf at the moment. Opportunities gained. He's 30th, which isn't fantastic, but he's checking the box there pretty much. Um, I just think he's a, he's an easy play here at 8,700. My second GPP play, I think, should give me a little more of an ownership edge. At 8,100, I'm going to play Sung J M. Sung J, the web doc, uh, web.com grad, is 10th in this field in dra- uh, DraftKings points scored. Checks the box and opportunities gain. Now he is a first timer here at this event, but I like him anyway. Finished 16th at the Sony um, and gaining strokes in all the right places. The uh, Sungjae is, is just hitting, checking the box in all the right places at the Sony. He gained four strokes off the tee, uh, almost five strokes off the tee, and three putting. He was kind of middle of the road in uh, in approach game and around the green, but. I like Sung Jae and the ownership leverage he's going to give me. He was about 8% owned last week. I don't see it getting too much higher than that. Maybe a little bump with the 16th place finish at the Sony, but I think he's a nice little GPP play. And then my cash play is Kazire. I just think that's an easy cash lock. You roll with Chez and Patton, given the good form. Both have played in Hawaii. Um, I, I think it's a, I think it's a safe bet in cash.
1: Hmm hmm okay who you got uh well I'm gonna start off uh with JJ Spawn. I like him at 8500 uh, another think, guy who hasn't played yet this year <laughs> another guy maybe I, mean, We're I didn't. mean really,
0: completely opposite
1: I didn't really think of that I mean it wasn't really a theme for me I don't I don't mind the fact that they haven't played this year but uh, I mean I get what you're saying but You know, you look at stroke gained off the tee. He is uh, in the top twenty-five in the field. He's number ten in the field, from what the stats I had kind of broken it down to, uh, and opportunities gained. Um, So I like that as well. Um, You know what? He just got engaged. By the way, there could be that. uh, Now we call when you have a baby the nappy factor. What do we call when you when you just got engaged? Is there something? I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know but you know what he really played well in the fall I mean you look at his uh, the three events that he played the RSM the OHL and the Shriners uh, he was 37th at the RSM he was T3 at the OHL and then top 15 at the Shriners so been playing really well um, gaining 21 strokes on the field in those three events over the fall so I really like some JJ Spawn and I think that you know he's a guy that is certainly going to be low owned. that price tag is is one of those where you may think that it might be a little bit too high i don't think it is i think it's about right so i like uh i like jj spine there also hudson swafford kind of kind of surprised you didn't mention him at all um been playing you know he was one of those guys that i think had sort of a a down year last year but is coming back he was third last week at the sony open uh obviously has great course history here with a win uh and then also checking boxes as far as his stats are concerned i mean he's you know he's uh 35th and in DraftKings scoring so he's up there in the top third of the field he's 21st in birdie or better percentage i I just think hudson swafford's gonna Prove again why he loves this event and plays well here. I mean, you, you look at uh, he won two years ago in 2017, had a top 30 finish the year before that, has gained 28 strokes over his last five times playing in this event. So I like some Hudson Swafford. I think it's a good price there for him at 8300 And you know what? He's also my cash play. I think he's a great cash play guy that you can just put in your lineup, not worry about him. Gonna be a cut maker here. I, I just think uh, so. He's gonna be my GPP and my cash play this week. I don't mind the cash play on Swafford, <clears throat> and I seriously considered him.
0: Uh, this is a total fan share moment for me because I feel like Swafford's gonna get a lot of attention past winter. <clears throat> obviously, played pretty good this past week. Um, I, I'm not crazy about the price. For Swafford, but I don't mind paying it in cash if I'm not paying up for these other guys. Um, so I, I don't mind the play, but I definitely think this is a fanshare check. By the way, fanshare sports.com is our only source for GPP ownership projections. We've talked about them before. If you go to fanshare sports.com and you sign up today, you can sign up for free. There's a ton of free content on the website. You get all the free content, but If you become a Fanshare Pro member, that's when you really get to see what Fanshare can do for you. If you're serious about trying to place well in these GPPs, um, it's just super easy. And we have a promo code for you now. It's fantastic. Promo code is Junkies, which is our promo code everywhere. Uh, We've said it before. If you just go to any website that we might have ever been affiliated with and type in promo code Junkies, you (laughs) you might get lucky. Uh, but fan share is no different. Promo code junkies gets you 20% off all of their packages, whether you pay weekly, monthly, or annually. It's $9.95 a week, $24.95 a month, or $1.99 annually. Just get the annual membership. It will pay off. It works for football, too. So you can use your PGA uh, fan share and then come NFL season if you're a big NFL guy. You can use it there too. Promo code Tour Junkies twenty percent off. But you're going to get these guys that 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 uh, you know gather all the data on everybody that that that's being talked up by the talking heads around the industry, and they're going to tell you who's getting the chatter and where they think the ownership is going to go. Plus, you get to see recent performance, DraftKings points performance. Uh, they've got a lineup generator. Uh, you can see where these guys went to college. You can see um, all kind of fun stuff about them, which I love that about FanShare Sports, and they're just good guys. So. I think that's going to be one of the first guys I want to look at. Come, you know, close to lineup lock is the Swafficer on FanSier. I sports. agree.
1: I, I do think that, that he is he's right in that sweet spot of guys that we, we there could be a lot of talk as far as uh whatever the talking heads are concerned, but it's for me it's for good reason. I, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's playing good. That's for that's for sure. Um, and he can score, man. That guy can freaking score. Well, alone. let me
0: give you a guy who's not playing well, and he is my fade in this 8K range, and that is unfortunately our boy Kevin Kisner. It, it's it's not the price for Kis. Uh, this past week at the Sony, he gained two strokes putting and lost strokes everywhere else, um, including five strokes around the green, which is crazy for Kis. Lost about a full stroke with his iron play, um, I just I can't pay up for that kind of form with Kiz. So at 8900 he's just he's not checking boxes. He's not in the good form that we want to see. His history here is kind of okay, nothing crazy. Um, I mean, best finish is a top 25 two years ago, but even at $8,900, if that's your best finish, I'm not crazy about the upside given the form with Kiz. I think he's an easy fade. Who's your fade?
1: Yeah, you know, it was between him and, and Brian Harmon for me. I mean, I, I think huh. – You're finally going gonna to fade Harmon this week, huh? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, obviously I liked him a lot last week, but um, I think I'm bailing. I'm bailing. I'm jumping off the done. ship. I'm off the Bulldog ship in the 8K range. I'm with Young Kisner and also with Harmon. I mean, just from a stat standpoint, he's, he's not fitting at all. I mean, he's 74th in the field and off the tee, 115th in opportunities gained. Uh, You know, 144, so near the bottom in birdie or better percentage. So just not scoring at all right now. Now, he does have pretty good course history here. So, you know, he may be a guy that coming off of a a bad performance last week at the Sony Open, missing the cut, that you you take a flyer on uh, in a GPP. But I still think you could—that could still be a mistake—and I just don't know. I mean, it's—it's it's just not something I'm comfortable doing, not something I'm confident with. So I think Brian okay. Harmon will be my favorite of the week, and, and I'm with you on kids too. He's right there with me.
0: All right, let's move it along. We got a lot of picks in the seven K range, three GPP plays, one cash lock, and two fades. Pat, hit me with the GPPs and the cash lock.
1: All right, well, I'm going to go real quick with these. But Peter Uline is my first at 7,700. We're talking GPPs here. I like him. He's got pretty good recent form with a T7 and a T23 in his last couple of events. Um, you know, he was 17th last year in his, his first start here. So, you know, he's obviously uh, okay. you know played well in the past. I, I do like some Peter Uline. Uh, I like Joaquin Neiman. Oh, Jaco Neiman, 7,600. I think he's just I, – I don't know. He's, he's going to show the world this year. I have said already this year that he's going to be better than Cameron Champ, and I think it's going to start this week. Checks a box, especially from a stat category for me. Uh, you look at um, – crap. Um, you look at strokes gained off the tee. He's number two in the field. Opportunities gained, he's number one in the field. DraftKings scoring seven, birdie or better percentage five. If you've put all those together, he is the number one ranked player in the field as far as those four stats are concerned. So I love some Jocko Neiman at 7,600. I'm gonna go ahead and just say that if we have to take a cash play, which we do, he's gonna be my cash play here in this range. So I'll go ahead and get that out of the way. Also, Richie Wierinski at 7,600. Love him, great course history here. 29th last year, 9th the year before that, in great recent form. His last three events, he's finished 15th, 3rd, and 23rd. He ranks 25th off the tee, 11th in draft scheme, scoring 30th in birdie or better percentage. So, I like some Richie Wierenski at 7,600. And what else? That's it. That's, That's my it. three GPP plays, and then I've got two fades, but I guess we're going to wait on those. so
0: yeah, well, hang on on this. I had a really tough time in the 7K range. There's a lot of good plays down here, I think. Um, I had to narrow it down to three, and so one of them is Jacque Neiman. I completely agree with you. Number one in opportunities gained in the 50 rounds that I looked at, too. He's just too good of a value at 7,600 from a scoring perspective. He's aggressive young player. Just absolutely tremendous ball striker. And you give him easy pins in the center of greens, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am i don't know how you avoid Joaquin Neiman at 7,600. I, he should be priced in the high eights to me. Um, <clears throat> now, the, the next one I'm going to give you, the next two are going to shock you a little bit, I think. I was on him last week. He burned me a little bit. Zach Johnson, 7,700 bucks. I don't uh, see him. wow. I know. I don't see him missing two cuts in a row here. He missed the cut uh, by one shot last week. He, he fought back on Friday to one under, missed the cut at two under. Pretty hit or miss history here in the last five years. He's had three missed cuts, a top three, a tie for third and a tie for 20th, um, <clears throat> which isn't great. But statistically, he's not terrible either. I mean, he scores. We talked about how short this course is. There's a lot of short par fours. It's a wedge contest. He's a seasoned veteran. He understands pro-ams. He's going to fire at pins, and I think I like the upside that Zach Johnson gives you, which is always winning upside. Zach Johnson is a proven winner. You get the upside, and I like that he's probably going to see a dip in ownership since he was so high on last week. Um, In fact, since you named Jaqueline Neiman, I I like Jaqueline in cash, but I am willing to play Zach Johnson in cash. I feel that good about ZJ uh, this week that bouncing back and not missing two cuts in a row Um, I would play Zach Johnson in Cash. So that leaves Shez Revy, Patton Kazire, and Zach Johnson for me in Cash if you're going to lock those in. I I, I like that. My final play in this range is also one that may shock you a little bit. There's a lot of guys down here, but if I'm looking at at GPP leverage, high upside, cheap, checking boxes, a guy who we all were really loving to play at a lot of points last year was Sam Ryder. $7,100. $7,100. He is third in the last 50 rounds in this field in opportunities gained and second in DraftKings points scored in the last 50 rounds. Uh, now, now Ryder played here last year, finished 50th. That was his first time out. Obviously not playing great. But when you look at his 2018 season, or the year 2018, he had five top ten finishes. Now, he had a handful of missed cuts. But he had, a, he had five top tens, and a lot of those were top fives. Sam Ryder is a another aggressive young player. Want, he's hungry, wants to win, very talented. So I like it from the GPP ownership uh, perspective there with Sam Ryder. So those are my three GPP calls and my cash. I'll give you my fades real quick. Um, I'm going to fade Brennan Steele. He's got tremendous course history here. In fact, such good course history, I can't believe you didn't name him as a lock. Uh, but if you look at the last two years, where he finished 20th and 6th, both of those years he played in Hawaii beforehand, um, which 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 is interesting. Uh, and if you look at his last 10 tournaments, he's not been the same Brendan Steele. He's lost a stroke in approach, and he's lost three strokes in putting over the last 10 tournaments. Uh, I you know I feel like he's going to be pretty chalky at that price tag, given the course history. So I will take the risk and fade Brendan Steele there. The second fade is a former winner, and that is Brian Gay. Now, if you look at Brian Gay last week, Brian Gay had a had a pretty good week. He finished, uh, let's see, what did he finish like, 22nd last week or something? Where is he, um, Brian Gay? Yeah, finished 22nd last week. But if you if you look at it, he lost six shots on his approach play and gained nearly 11 putting. 11, putting. La- uh, he lost nine strokes here in his last four attempts since he won like six years ago. So I think Brian Gay's, uh, Brian Gay's run has come to an end here, and I see the putting regulating a little bit. If his irons are that bad, I'm not going to pay up for him. So those are my two fades.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, we got a lot of disagreement here because my fade, my first fade is Zach Johnson. Ooh. I do not like him at all. I mean, he does not have very good course history here. I mean, you look at it; he was uh, he did finish T twenty last year, but he missed three straight cuts before that. Uh, so, and I don't like how he's playing. His recent form isn't very good. Doesn't check any boxes for me as far as stats are concerned. I mean, he's you look at uh, off the tee ranks hundred and fourth in the field off the tee uh he's he's just i don't know i'm not i'm not a big fan of zach this week i think too many people are going to want to play him because they like that price at 7700 i'm going to fade him this week my second fade is going to be another guy that i think people tend to gravitate to especially when he's cheap which he is this week uh, and we haven't seen a whole lot of them lately. And that's Charlie Hoffman at 7,500. Mm. Not yep. checking any boxes for me as well. I mean, you look at DraftKings scoring, he's 122nd in the field, 57th in the opportunities gained, 60, 60th in uh, strokes gained off the tee. Um, just a guy that, you know, he doesn't have great course history here. He's missed uh, out of the, the last three years. He's missed two straight cuts. Uh, so I don't like that as well. His recent form hasn't been very good. Uh, so I think that I mean, look at his last event he played was the OHL Classic, and he missed a cut. So I think Charlie Hoffman's a fade for me at 7,500. I think that price is going to be one of those that you're just looking at, and you're like, "God, I'm getting a bargain, getting Charlie Hoffman at 7,500." But I don't, I don't think he play him this week, and uh, so he will be my fade. So Zach Johnson and Hoffman, two fades this week. Bold
0: calls. I like it. I like it. All right, 6K range real quick. We're just going to give you a few GPP plays we like. I got to be honest, there's a number of guys in here I like. I tried to narrow it down to two. I think I'm going to have to wait and see on the on the t time waves and where guys are starting. But because, like we've said a couple times now, you can be a little more aggressive everybody getting to play three rounds. I think some of these guys are very much in play, especially I'm wanting to play Rom, you're wanting to play Rose. I think there's some guys in here that are in play. Um, I had a hard, I have a hard time narrowing it down to two, which is what I said we were going to name. I'm going to give you a few. I, I, why don't you start because I, I, that way I can, you can do your guys and then I won't steal your thunder.
1: All right, well, I got a couple in here that I, that I do like. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start with a, a guy at 6400 so I'm going to give you a lot of savings here. I like Dominic Bozzelli. I He was a guy that I was sort of uh, – I didn't mention him on the podcast last week, but as I started looking at him going into the Sony Open, I liked him a lot. And I like him again this week. He's a, he's a guy that can score – Checks the box and birdie or better percentage. He's putting really well, which he did last week. He had two 64s on you know, Friday and Saturday, shot 64s at the Sunny Open, and then just had kind of a, a bad day on uh, – and really bad – he, he kind of got bookended with the bad days on Thursday and Sunday. Um, but I just like how he can score, and I like that price at 6,400 for him. So he's a guy that I think you can play in GPPs and uh, have a chance to really make some cash and add in some of those more expensive players another guy that i like is tom lovelady at 6800 i think he's a a very good play this week Uh, checks the box if you look at course history uh, played here last year and he was 29th which is for a guy that's in this price range at 6800 i really like that Uh, looking at stats as well he, he checks the box there. He is 16th in strokes gained off the tee, 8th in opportunities gained, 20th in drafting scoring, and 12th in birdie or better percentage. You know, four of the stats that I do like. Uh, so I think that Tom Lovelady is a, uh, is a pretty good play at 6,800 this week. So there you go. Those are my two GPP plays that I had in this 6K range.
0: Of all the guys I like, I didn't have any of those guys circled. So a lot of disagreement here on this one tonight. This will be interesting to see how this one goes. I like Sam Burns at 6,900. I like the upside with Sam. He checks a box. Putting, opportunities gained. Um, he's just a scorer, another aggressive young guy. I like Scott Stallings. Been on the podcast, friend of the Tour Junkies, good dude. Checks a checks box and opportunities gained. Last 50 rounds, Scott Stallings is fourth in opportunities gained in the last 50. I know he's been uh, at La Quinta practicing uh, over the last couple of days. He's seen it on social media. He's ready to go. He's excited to start the season. Uh, Decent little ball striker there on Scott Stalling. so I'm interested in him. Um, Sebastian Munoz is worth a look considering he played last week at the Sony. played really well, in good form, checking some boxes. I'm going to give you a real deep sleeper, though, real deep sleeper. Probably top 25 upside. That's probably all you're going to get. So I wouldn't play him in like the $5 GPP because you're going to need better than that, but maybe in a single entry or three max entry contest. Uh, Florida State boy, 62 hundy, never played here before, web.com graduate, Hank Lebiota.
1: Oh, wow. You're going with another pronunciation that we're having to deal with. Yeah,
0: Hank Lebiota, hammering Hank. Finished 43rd at the Sony, 32nd at the RSM. Now that's not fantastic, okay? But but Hank, Hank's doing all right at the Sony. Gained strokes in every category except putting. Lost two strokes putting. Gained a stroke and a half approach. Almost uh, two strokes off the tee. Um, you know, I, I think he's uh, he's a little ball striker. He's a bomber ball striker. Aggressive young player. Lost strokes putting, so you know. Hopefully that that kind of regulates a little bit. He comes back and he's he's playing pretty well. So I think I think he's interesting in a in an automatic three round event at 6,200. I think Hank is interesting. So there you go. Now, before we move on, Pat, one and done. We God, will not we hit it. Gotta hit it. We will not forget the one and done. I'm struggling with this one a little bit. Um, I am going to go with a guy that I didn't think I would be using. If you'd have asked me who the 40 guys I would use in one and done would be, I would not think I would name this guy. But I like the form. Uh, I like the history here, the style of golf course that this is. Played in Hawaii the last, uh, last week. Um, and, and honestly, this is a $5.9 million purse, one of the lowest purses on all the PGA Tour. Very low. So I don't want to, like, blow John Rahm on here, or Charles. I just don't want to do that. I'm going to go with the Shesticle. I'm going to go Shez Revy as my one-and-done play.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to go with Patrick Cantley. Ooh, okay. He's, he's going to be one. I'm coming out aggressive with the one-and-done this year. You know what? Because, it, okay. I don't know, all my other – you know, strategies never work for one and done. So True. I'm, coming out, True. I'm coming out aggressive. I'm going to go with Patrick Cantlay this week.
0: All right, Pat. That is that is the picks. Now it's time for the chunk and run, and we're going to address Cooch Gate. You know, this is a serious issue. If you don't know what happened, uh, this is another reason why you need Twitter. But basically, Tom Gillis, retired PGA Tour pro, older guy, likes to stir the pot on Twitter every now and then got on social media over the weekend and said he had on good authority from a number of credible tour players, caddies, et cetera, that when Matt Kuchar won the, the Mayakoba in the fall with a fill-in local caddy named El Toucan, uh, he only tipped him $3,000 out of his $1.3 million paycheck that week. Twitter went into a complete shitstorm, and people lost their minds. Uh, Matt Kuchar's reputation of being the old golly gee goodie guy is now being uh, questioned. Um, One journalist in the golf media asked Kuchar to address it Sunday after his win. He simply said he laughed and said, "I didn't pay him three grand, and I didn't pay him ten percent. This shouldn't even be a story." Okay. So those are the facts. Everyone is chiming in on this. You can go just about anywhere to read people's thoughts and opinions on this, but here at the Tour Junkies, we like to do things a little different. So we're not going to recap the whole thing for you. We're not going to we're not going to give you our thoughts on whether we think Kuchar's guilty of this or not. Here's what we're going to do. Now, Pat is has been very empathetic. Immediately, he reached out to me and his heart was bursting with empathy for L2can. Very much so. um,
1: very much so.
0: Yeah, and and he felt compelled to write El Toucan a letter, a letter of encouragement, um, a letter of empathy, and maybe, maybe someday, somehow, some way, this makes it to El Toucan and inspires him and encourages him, encourages him in the midst of this, uh, in the midst of this chaos. Um, so Pat is going to read his letter now, and and I, I want you guys all to try to put yourself in the position of El Toucan, and. Pat, uh, I can't wait to hear what you what you have to say. I haven't heard this yet, so I'm very excited.
1: All right, so, um, yeah, you know, as you said, I was very concerned about L2CAN after all this went down. So I, I penned a letter, and I feel like this is, uh, I hope it gets to him because it's very meaningful. So here we go. Letter to L2CAN. Dearest Senor, El Toucan. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't laugh that Or I mean, I'm just... That was the first thing. <laughs> Dearest Senor. Okay, Dearest Senor, El Toucan. I hope this letter finds you well. I know the last few days have been a whirlwind for you with a scandal that is currently taking the nation by storm in regards to your pay after carrying Cooch through to victory, and a $1 million payday at the Mayakoba Classic late last year. But rather than dwell on the past, I want to offer you words of encouragement and some motivation to keep on keeping on. Mm. Mm. That's good. I think it's always good to look ahead to the future yeah. and think of the blessings that we are giving in the, given in this world, especially when it comes to money. And the $3,000 extra the 3,000 extra dollars you were given as a thank you for your services. Mhm. 3,000 would buy you roughly 150 liters of Tito's vodka. <laughs> think about yeah. that for think about that for a minute. Yeah. Even your children once they are of age, of course, could benefit greatly. From such an investment in their future. 150 bottles is a lot. Believe me. That's two a month for 12 and a half years. Oof. Hell, you could even rebrand it as L2CAN's elixir of green reading love. (laughs) And sell it to caddies looking to match your success. Hmm. I mean, surely that would be a hit. But, you know, sometimes it's good to be charitable. You know, with such a windfall. Yeah. yeah. A windfall of money. It makes the heart feel good knowing you are helping so many. Might I suggest a cereal? You mm. could buy Fruit Loops from the States with L2can Sam on the box. That'd be cool. And then put your picture on there and call it L2can Looper's. <laughs> do you see what i did there i did that's very good very good and you, then you can give them away who knows okay. this could this could come become the weedies of mexico you give <laughs> them to little niñas regardless of what you do stay safe i know the yeah. mean streets of narcos can be cruel <laughs> i don't want you to party too hard you don't want to get caught up in all the fame and fortune and and destroy your career as a caddy with all this money. Remember, money is just paper. Sure, it can buy you stuff, but in the end, technically, you could just use it for toilet paper after three extra spicy bean burritos. (laughs) But you know what? I'm going to leave you in in all seriousness with a quote that I love, and this comes from a, a great artist, Jeff Buckley. Hmm. A guy, a song, singer, songwriter you've probably never heard of, David, but he always has sage advice. And this comes from his song, Satisfied Mind. Mm. You know, money can't buy back all your youth when you're old, a friend when you're lonely, or peace for your soul. The wealthiest person is a pauper at times compared to the man with a satisfied mind. Hmm. Godspeed, my friend L two can. That's all I got. You came to me this morning with this, so that's that's that was all very I good.
0: come up with. That was very good. Uh, much love to 2 Toucan. Stay safe on the streets, homie, and um, you know don't don't make a rain in the clubs. Be careful where you spend that quan. Uh, we're looking out for you. We're praying for you. Uh, hope 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 everything is well. Um, and if you really did it, broke off three grand. I hope somehow some more comes back to you some way somehow. You know, even if it's not k- Kuchar grease in your palm, we hope we hope it comes to you at another time. Um, and if you ever want to come on the Tour Dunkies podcast, we, we oh, could make we could make it. This would be fun. So. See, see, absolutely. Uh, all right, listen, that was fantastic, Pat. Very good. We're gonna end it with an interview we did with a listener. Uh, this was pretty funny. I actually tweeted out uh, today, does anybody know any defamation or libel attorneys? And it was very funny, the response. Most people, I believe, felt like we were in trouble. And I now I appreciate your, your, your call to arms for the tour junkies. We had a lot of people DM us, yo, I got you, free advice, what up? We really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, a couple people commented as if there was going to be some drama. There's no drama. Uh, there is no defamation or libel suit against us that we know of, or one that we are plotting against anyone else. However, again, wanting to do things differently in addressing Coochgate, we wondered: Does Matt Coocher have any any uh, you know uh, any any opportunity to press charges against Old Man Tom Gillis? Just wanting to stir the pot, you know, and, and, re- and wrecking the the good boy goody two shoes reputation of of said Matt Coocher. And so a listener of ours who, gratefully uh, w- willing to offer his advice, his expertise, and get on the phone with me and talk through defamation of character suits and, 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 and potential libel, um, uh, was, was very willing. Stephen Morris, friend of the podcast, great dude, uh, University of Georgia guy, which is fantastic, uh, L- Madison, Georgia Southern boy, which is just up the road here from Augusta, right between Augusta and Atlanta, agreed to come on the pod and talk about it. So I just picked Stephen's brain and asked him about what Cooch should do and if he has anything that he could bring on Mr. Gillis for stirring the pot as he has. So enjoy the interview. We're going to end with the interview. We will be back next week. We hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Enjoy your week. Make sure you check out all the free content we're delivering to you this week yet again. We're excited. We've also got another big announcement next week. By the way, on, on next week's show, really fun announcement. Cue up the Joey Garber interview. May your screens be green and enjoy this interview with Stephen Morris. In the meantime, DB, see you out. All right, Golf Addicts, DB here. I've got a special guest on the line. Uh, many of you have uh, no idea who he is. In fact, probably all of you have no idea who he is. But he is the first ever TJ attorney on call listener uh uga fan i believe and it sounds like from my my initial conversations with him maybe a georgia boy steven morris what's up man how's it going
2: hey how's it going db appreciate you having me on yeah i'm definitely a georgia guy and uh georgia fan and uh struggling uh golfer myself
0: (laughs) nice nice we're a lot a lot of things in common here man now now steven you answered the call you answered the call on twitter now this was really funny. We had so I put out the tweet this morning that you know I, I needed to know if any listeners practiced in uh, you know defamation of character or libel law or anything like that. And man, the amount of people who I feel like thought that that was very serious and that myself or Pat were looking to you know to press charges against someone who was who was hurting us. Um, I, I think there were only about two or three people that thought otherwise. Uh, but yeah, this is actually all for a, a nice little bit here on the podcast. So, as far as I know, no one is defaming my character or Pat's character, except for Pat. Um, no, no one is doing that. And if you do know someone, let me know, and me and Steven
2: are going to go at it. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll go after him. And if you want to sue we'll Pat one day, it. you let me know, and we'll we'll take care of that as well.
0: Well, actually, I was gonna I was, I was gonna talk to you about that after. Well, maybe we'll talk about that after. Stephen, tell us a little, about, little bit about yourself, man. Like, where are you from? What kind of uh, attorney? What
2: you know? What's what's up? I live in Madison, Georgia, which is about 30 minutes south of Athens. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, just small town lawyer. I do a little bit of everything. Uh, primarily, I do a lot of uh, domestic work, a lot of divorce, child custody. I do some criminal defense. But in a small town, you, you kind of have to have your hand in everything. You got to know a little bit about everything, cause you never know what's going to walk in the door. So. Um, sure. you know, fortunately for you, I, I've done a little bit of research on this area for a for a former client. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to call myself an expert today and, you know, try to answer your question as best I can.
0: Well, as far as we're all concerned, you're an expert. You're, you're an you're expert enough to be the T.J. attorney, I'll call That um, sounds, sounds good. Let, let's talk about this Tom Gillis cooch situation, old, uh, old cooch gate, as we like to call it um you got Tom Gillis former PGA tour pro old guy likes to stir likes to stir the pot on twitter doesn't tweet a lot but when he does can, can tend to stir the pot and get stuff going um he breaks it out over the weekend that that allegedly and and he has on on uh you know good faith that Coocher only tipped his caddy uh, L2can the local caddy at mycoba when he won in the fall only tipped that caddy three thousand u.s dollars after a 1.3 million dollar paycheck um and twitter went ballistic the all the social medias went nuts um you know so if if you weren't on social media at all you may have had no idea uh one journalist asked matt Kucher about it yesterday uh and he basically said you know i I didn't pay him three grand, and I didn't pay him hundred. I didn't pay him ten percent. This isn't a story. It kind of shrugged it off. But you know, I mean, you, you know about Matt Kuchar, right? Like the dude's been on tour for decades. He's got a squeaky clean, golly gee
2: reputation. Um, End up guy you know. by all accounts. And what do I know? He's a stand-up guy by all accounts. Yeah, Never heard yeah, of yeah. I mean, that, Matt Kuchar until this weekend.
0: You really haven't, right? And and everybody – I even talked to a couple guys at work. A couple guys at work didn't even know about what happened, but they're golf fans. And one guy was like, man, I just love Matt Kuchar. I love seeing him win. And I said, well, did you hear about the whole issue with his caddy? And, and my co He's like, no, what happened? I told him, he's like, I just – I don't know, man. I can't believe that. You know, like nobody wants to believe it about Cooch, But you got a few people out there who seem to be informed saying they think it's real or something close to that's real. So if I'm Matt Kuchar and now my reputation feels like it's been blemished a little bit, you know, as the tour junkies, we feel like it's our duty, along with you, Stephen, to try to see if we can, you know, maybe this, maybe this gets down the wire to old Matt, and he realizes, uh, you know, he might have a case. Like, what does he have to do? What, what is the first action he needs to take on Mr. Gillis if he feels like character has been uh, has been defamed or a libel
2: situation? Or what's the difference? Yeah, so uh, defamation or defamation's the general umbrella. Libel is anything that's written, uh, slander ah, is anything that, that's verbal or published verbally. So so this would be a libel suit uh, if Matt Kuchar decided to, to sue old uh, Tom Gillis, uh, because it was, you know, tweet is a written uh, written document that's out there uh, for anybody to see. Um, the problems Cooch would have in this is Uh, In any type of libel suit or defamation suit, um, you've got to first be able to show that the statement was false and that he published it with the intention to um, to to harm Matt's reputation uh, and and to do so maliciously. Um, And then because Matt's a public figure, um, you have to show it's more than just if he wrote something bad about you and I uh, with a public figure. Uh, you've got to show that it's been done with the, uh, basically with malice and with the intent to harm, and there's got to be actual damages. So just because he wrote something bad about Cooch, um, you know, and a bunch of people on the internet are inflamed about it and mad about it, uh, has he really been hurt at all? Uh, he hasn't lost sponsors at this point yet. Uh, but if if that did happen, if say a sponsor dropped him, yeah, um, he would certainly have a claim against this guy. Um, and I, you know, that would make it interesting if that happened, see if he would go after so, kill it or not. All
0: right. So the first thing you said is you'd have to prove, so, so he'd have to get, he'd have to get can basically to say, he'd have to get two Toucan to basically come out and say, uh, you know, that, that the $3,000 was in fact false, that, that Cooch gave him more or whatever. So that'd be step one, Right.
2: Right. Right. And then, and, then and then you have to prove that Gillis knew it was false.
0: You got to prove Gillis knew it was false. Ah, so, so, okay, so if Gillis just was misinformed, believed it was true, then he's then Cooch has already lost the case?
2: Yep, pretty much. That's why these Yikes. cases are so hard to win. Gee! And, and, and because he's a public figure, it's even a higher standard. Um, then he's got a, Matt would have to go so far as to prove that, uh, the statement's published with the intent, uh, or with malice behind it to, to harm Kucher um, in that way. And so, you know, these lawsuits, they're hard to win, even when you're not dealing with a public figure. And then when you have a public figure, it's just even, even harder. That's why yeah, I, I think yeah. you, you see all this fake news going around in the, in the media um, and they can get away with it because when you're dealing with public figures, it's near impossible to win these types of cases.
0: Gotcha, fake news, right fake news, yeah, um so yeah, so it sounds like our boy Koo shouldn't even have a case, which you know honestly he's a Georgia Tech guy, I and mean, I know I can speak for at least you, me and Pat. we don't really care um so so I guess. You know, if he didn't lose sponsor money, but he wanted to, like, so you can't just in this situation, you can't just be like, man, you know, my feelings are hurt. My family was embarrassed. Uh, You know, I lost some fans, although you may not be able to sign any, like, actual monetary value to that. None of that really
2: holds up, right? Well, I mean, the good thing about our country is you can file a lawsuit basically at any time for any reason. And it's going to take months or years before a judge would toss that lawsuit out. So if Cooch really was ticked off about this and wanted to go after Gillis, he could certainly file a lawsuit. Um,
0: maybe and, Gillis would settle.
2: Yeah, maybe, uh, or at least make it miserable mm-hmm. on him. The problem with that, yeah, though, is will. then Gillis is going to hire an attorney, and Cooch is going to be opened up to um, discovery and, and have to sit for deposition. You know, they subpoena the caddy, yeah. and, and the caddy would have to sit for a deposition, and and all of Cooch's business dealings are going to get out there. What he's paid his caddies and and he probably don't want that becoming public information. yeah nobody
0: nobody likes the phrase opened up for discovery i'm guessing uh, when it comes yeah. to that that's not that's not a good call well not a funny okay yeah no no definitely not so it sounds like we don't really have a case for for cooch um you know here's what i'll say in the future though steven if you ever hear of uh anything that you think i could nail pat on or if you see anything okay. on twitter written about the tour junkies that you think we could nail somebody on i'd love to i'd love to love to sue somebody for that yeah also let's do you know you said you said earlier and i don't know if you know this is kind of a uh, this is a good question you said it's a public figure what is considered a public figure would the tour junkies be considered a public
1: figure
2: you know uh, you've got a nationally rec- recognized podcast um i think the tour junkies would be considered public figures so you would have uh, you would have a uh, hard time proving uh, you know a, a libel claim or a slander claim if, if that's you know what would had to had to be um, if that was the lawsuit that needed to be brought. So I think you would have a tough time as a as a quasi-public figure anyway. Certainly the person that you should claim you're yeah. claim you're a public figure because then it's a yeah. even higher standard for you to prove. So.
0: There you go. So now we have just opened ourselves up to a lot more uh, Twitter trolls, I guess, because they can just say whatever they want, and now they know that we, you know, we'd have a hard time proving proving anything. So, well, that sucks. We didn't really get what we wanted, you know. Like I, I wanted to, I wanted to be able to call Cooch's people and tell them that we got on good authority. We can go ahead and sue old Tom Gillis, get him shut up. Um, and now we've realized that now we're considered public figures, which is which is also terrifying, considering all the stuff that Pat does uh, in the name of Tour Junkie. So. Uh, Stephen, we appreciate your legal counsel, and uh, we may be using it again in the future. We
2: uh, definitely appreciate you listening
0: to the Tour Junkies
2: podcast and calling in, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Love the podcast.